1: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18+.
0: Hi, it's Tony and Jenny
2: Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. Every week, we work hard at giving you the best Real Ghost Stories we can find for free through the podcast. But producing and maintaining the show isn't so free for us.
1: And that's why we're asking for your support. If
2: you like the show, please become an EPP, that's an extra podcast person, through the button at realghoststoriesonline.com. As an EPP, you'll get an additional bonus exclusive episode of the show to enjoy every weekend. Plus, you'll have access to our exclusive EPP video content and backlog of exclusive EPP bonus episodes as well.
1: It's only five bucks a month for all these extras. And your support
2: helps to keep our daily free version of the show alive and on the air.
1: Become an EPP now at realghoststoriesonline.com. Please and thank you.
3: Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online.
2: Today, two spirits are excited to share their apartment with new tenants, but how does the new tenant handle it when the fun and games go too far. A young girl fears that she offended her resident ghost by asking it to stop scaring her sister. How does she mend the relationship with the passive-aggressive ghost? When are nightmares just nightmares, and when are they real? One listener shares her experiences of dreaming about events she was too young to have knowledge of. And a woman sees an apparition so vividly she believes he is an intruder and fears for her life. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruschi joining you once again. Hello. Hello. Are you ready to hear some ghost
1: stories? I am, always.
2: Good, because these sound like they're pretty good today. <laughs> I'm excited about some of these. Uh, especially that, uh, which one is it, the... Pa- the- It was interesting how it was worded. Where, Yeah, the first one. Two spirits are excited to share their apartment with new tenants. Usually it's the other way around. Well, not necessarily they're excited, but it's like the tenants are sharing it with a ghost. It's not the ghosts are sharing it with... Right. Although when you think of it from the perspective of most ghosts who tend to outlive the tenants, it is more so that than it is the other way around.
1: Well, yeah. I I always wondered if... Do they dread new people coming in? Like, oh crap, what mm-hmm. are they going to be like? Kind of like when you get new neighbors and you're like, uh... Yeah. Are they okay? Are they weird? Are you they You just kind of...
2: Yeah, they got to deal with it. Yeah. Have you ever lived in a haunted house... No. ...that you are aware of? No. No, not at all.
1: No, I had that one experience when I was really, really little in Texas... But I would not say our house was haunted because it was just a one time thing and I experienced it and then my parents experienced it the next night and then that was it.
2: Oh, yeah, the orb type yeah. thing. Yeah, that moved to the wall. But other than that, yeah. It's hard to say it's a haunted house when it's just like one thing that happened and then it's done. Right. That's more like an incident. Yeah. Or, you know, it could very well have happened, you know, if you were at the day's Inn that night or something. It's like if it was going to happen to you, it was going to happen to you regardless of where you were at.
1: And I don't consider my imaginary playmate a haunting tied to the house no
2: that seems more of a haunting tied to you right so
1: so i I wouldn't call any of my homes haunted No. me either no
2: no i mean uh, well i mean i lived in that apartment building but i only had that one incident Mm -hmm. where it was like the borderline sleep paralysis thing that was going down but other than that i can't say no no it's a shame (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, we're we're fine. Keeping it with this kind that's of
2: that's true. Not going yeah,
1: on wood. knock on wood. I mean, after hearing Ian's
2: story the other night, where it was like house after house after house after house, but I, again, that's where I also question: was it the houses? Was it the properties? Or was it him?
1: I think it was a combination. Because he, you know, when you were first telling me about Ian before he came and visited with mm-hmm. us, I was wondering: okay, is he haunted, or is he sensitive, or does he just have horrible luck? Yeah. And when he You know, is self-proclaimed as sensitive and realizes that that's part of his life. I think it's a combination of living in older homes that have a history and being sensitive to where that's why he has so many experiences.
2: It's like the perfect storm.
1: It is. Essentially. Yeah. For
2: for the paranormal. 855-853-4802. That's the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Please be sure to press subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to us on. Uh, That way you get every single episode sent directly to you. And it helps us grow the show as well and make it bigger and better for you. Let's go to our first uh, caller here at 855-853-4802. Hi.
4: Hi, my name's Whitney. Um, I just want to say I love your show, and I'm really glad that I uh, stumbled upon it on YouTube. Um, I just wanted to share a story about my grandmother who um, passed away early this spring. I I was at work when I heard about it. And interestingly enough, about a week before she passed, um, I had a dream where I was Skyping with some man and he told me that I needed to call my mother and i hadn't spoken to her in a while because of um a disagreement and he just said you know she needs you right now this is the time to call her so i called her and uh and she's like yeah you know we had to put grandma in a hospice she's not doing very well and i just i just had this feeling that something was going to happen and about a week later my father called me like bawling his eyes out and like well grandma passed So um, I ended up having to take some time off work and going to a funeral and you know with the rest of the family. And I remember a couple days after the funeral, I kept thinking and was like, "Oh, I hope she gives me a sign that she, you know, has has moved on and gone to a better place." And there was one day where um, I wasn't wearing one of my rings that I normally wear, and it was just like a cheap a cheap ring from H and M. And uh, all day I kept thinking I was like, oh, you know, I, I hope I didn't lose the ring like it wasn't it wasn't a really a sentimental object, but for some reason I just kept thinking about it. And I was at my uncle's house. And um and I like I couldn't find the ring and I remember later on, you know, I took a shower and I had all my clothes in a pile outside of the the shower and when I stepped out of the shower, I saw my ring on top of the clothes. And when I picked it up, it was ice cold. And um and, you know, I know for certain that I wasn't wearing it all day. And I remember just thinking, like, wow, this is this is a sign that she's passed on. And, you know, I've had many paranormal um, instances growing up. Um, I didn't really think about them that much because I was brought up Christian. It wasn't... You know, my parents aren't very... I'd say my father's somewhat superstitious, but they're not, you know, they never talk to me about ghosts or anything like that. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I experienced, I experienced on my own, and I just kind of... Um, yeah, I just kind of swept them under the rug, or I didn't think about them. Like, I remember waking up and seeing um, ghosts and stuff walking in my room, or, or seeing spirits, like, leaning up against the wall and, like, talking to me, and uh, I just... You know, I, I thought that I was too tired And, you know, dreaming of things And in the morning I th- realized, like, oh my god There was ghosts in my room So, yeah, I, I just thought I'd share the story And I just wanted to let you know that I love your show
1: You know, I've never thought about If a ghost touches an object About it changing the temperature of it But that makes sense You know, how it changes the air temperature I mm-hmm. can see that making something cold
2: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting way to communicate Where she thought something had happened there mm-hmm. You know, and it's If you can't essentially, you know, manifest yourself to go, hey, look, here I am. Maybe that's just one of the easier ways of doing it as far as communicating goes. You know, you always hear about, you know, people going to the haunted house. That's why they have the thermometer meters and, you know, the laser temperature guides to see, you know, where there's a cold spot, hot spot, things of that nature. Um, It makes you wonder, too, sometimes when you get like the chills out of nowhere. Or you walk into a place where it's just abnormally cold or some object is abnormally cold where it shouldn't be. And a lot of times you just write it off of, oh, that's weird, and you keep moving on. You don't really think paranormal. But I wonder how many of those incidents actually are paranormal, but we don't even go there with it.
1: I don't want to think about that, because you know, I get the chills all of a sudden a lot. You know,
2: that's like an everyday thing. yeah it is. For a lot of you know, <laughs> people. Uh, there you go. 855-853-4802 is the number. Christina writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. I recently started listening to your show, and I love it. It's nice to listen to others' experiences, and I've decided to share my most recent experience. In September, I moved into my new apartment with my boyfriend and my 13-year-old chihuahua, Gordy. The first night we slept there, I ended up having what I thought was a strange dream. I saw a woman with shoulder-length hair hovering over me, bending down over me to get a closer look. Then I heard a man's voice telling her to get away from me because she was going to wake me up, up, to which she replied that she just wanted to get a closer look because it had been such a long time since they had any guests. At that point, I turned my body around in the dream but realized I wasn't fully asleep. For some reason, I felt like I was in between being awake and asleep. I could see my boyfriend sleeping next to me and was thinking how I could wake him up, but just when I was going to try and talk, he reached over and started to shake my arm violently. So much so that I was kind of startled and sat up, realizing that I was asleep the whole time. Looked over to him, and he was sound asleep. He had, however, reached over to hug me. In any case, I brushed it off as a bad dream. Later on, while we had breakfast, I asked him how he had slept and he told me that he had a strange dream and just blurted out and said, did you see them too? To which he responded, yes. So we started talking about my dream and we pretty much saw the same man and woman basically described the same thing I saw and heard. I then asked him what he thought about him shaking my arm and he said he didn't remember doing that that what he tried to do was hug me so that I wouldn't freak out if I was seeing them too. In any case, that was the first night and the first incident. Moving forward a month, it was a Friday night and I was sound asleep. Our dog usually sleeps with us and she's a tiny little thing. Growing up, I experienced a lot of paranormal things and was feeling safe with the dog in the house. I decided to put her crate in the bedroom right next to the to my side of the bed I figured if she saw something next to the bed she would surely wake up and alert me so this night she was on the bed with us when I felt her walking on my calves and feet she usually has the tendency to sleep under the covers but sometimes when it gets too hot for her she will pop out and reposition herself on top of the covers I felt uh, she was bundled up right next to me and decided to move her over to my boyfriend's side of the bed. As I moved my leg over to move her, I realized that she was under the cover snuggled on the other side of the bed. It wasn't her I felt walking on me over the covers. Sometime after that last incident, I found your show and I've been listening and trying to figure out what to do because I don't want to live in fear. My parents are from Mexico and we experienced a lot of things as a family here in the states as well as in Mexico. Part of my dilemma is, should I acknowledge their presence and tell them to go away or do I just pretend to not know they are there? I was leaning more towards acknowledging their presence and just saying, "Hey, I know you're there." The thing is, I felt if I if I felt that uh, would kind of be inviting them to stay or to make themselves more visible. I have no interest in seeing or hearing or feeling anything really I was debating what to do until this past Saturday morning I was home alone with my dog putting toiletries away when I heard the doggy gate at the opposite end of the hallway from my bathroom in any case I turned around to go look because I thought she was trying to push the gate open and realized that she was in the bathroom with me at that moment I heard the doggy gate fall so I go and put it back in its place Then I went back to the bathroom to finish what I was doing, and the gate falls again. I decided to think about what to do because I'm starting to think it can't be a coincidence that it fell twice in a row. Then my boyfriend comes in and tells me that he needs to get into the bathroom. Without telling him anything about what just happened, I grabbed my dog and went to the bedroom to grab my towel. Then I walked into the closet to get my clothes together and realized my dog was standing at the end of the hallway by the doggy gate. I called her to come to me, and she wouldn't move. I called her again, and this time, calling her a little louder, and she wouldn't move. It was like she was scared or something. I yelled at her to come to me, and she started running, but looking at something, as if something was standing to the side of her, and she didn't want to walk past it. Well, I can't tell you what came over me, but that really pissed me off that my dog was actually scared. I walked over to the area in the house and said, I get it. You live here, but we live here too now. And you are not to scare her. You cannot scare anybody here or you have to leave. She stays home most of the day, so you are not to be mean to her. She's your friend, but if you're going to be mean and not play nice and you're going to have to go. I don't want to see you or hear you or play with you, especially when I'm trying to sleep. I was so mad, Tony and Jenny, my dog is like my baby. So to see her so scared really ticked me off. I can say that for the past three nights I have slept like a baby and nothing else has happened so far. I'll keep you guys posted. I hope this is coherent and you're able to make sense of my long story. Keep up the great show, guys. Christina from Chicago.
1: What do you want to bet the ghosts are married? The way they kind of bicker. Leave her alone. I just want to look at her. It's a new person for us.
2: <laughs> and I'm going to talk like that when I'm a ghost, too. You are? I'm going to have a falsetto to my voice.
1: You sound like Casper?
2: Well, no, more like Barry Gibb. Um, it's going to
1: be, I'm a ghost, 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 All ghost. Right. Staying alive. Stay.
2: That's that's what I'm going to do.
1: So, what do you think about the story?
2: I think the story.
1: All that's right. how I'm going to talk.
2: Um, I think... Uh, she did the right thing. I was going to say, because I, I didn't know when it was going to end where she was going to ask what to do, but she obviously did what she was going to do. She did exactly what I was going to suggest she do. Yeah. And that's just simply talk to the ghosts. Because they sound like a nice enough dead couple that's, <laughs> <laughs> that that you can reason with. And they probably, their intent, I'm thinking, is really not to scare anyone. Um, I, I think, you know, they're just doing their thing mm-hmm. and their intent probably was also not to scare the dog either. I, I think, I mean, I don't know if they're trying to make themselves known to the dog or if they have any control about that. If they have to be like really particular about where they go around the house is to not upset the dog, you know, cause maybe the, you know, just existing could scare the dog. Yeah. You know, they don't have to like be there provoking it with a sticker or something. They're just there. So, I, I'm thinking they're just trying to go about their business and they're going to probably try and do their best to respect the people mm-hmm. and, and you know, live, you know, together.
1: Hearing that story, my mind immediately, I pictured the couple from Beetlejuice as yeah. the couple in the story. Sure,
2: sure. The thing is, when you ask a ghost to, I mean, I think I'd be really kind of an honorary ghost. I would I would do my best to not piss off the people I'm living with. I mean, I I would love to have fun with them, but I also don't want to like have them living in fear and really cause a bunch of stress in their lives. Uh But if they're like, they're cool with me joking around, I would do that. But if they asked, I would probably be nice. But at the same point, if I couldn't help it, you know, if the dog saw me and got pissed off or got scared, when I really was just not trying to scare the dog, I'm not going to leave if they asked me to leave. (laughs) You're not? No. I mean, like, sorry, your dog. No, this is my house. I've been here much longer, and I'll I'll try to not scare the dog, but if I'm going about my business and the dog happens to see me, well, sorry, dog. (laughs) Okay. Ghost takes precedence over the pets.
1: No, (laughs) I don't think so.
2: Well, if you're the ghost, you don't have a say.
1: Yeah, you're right, but... (laughs)
2: Now, I'm sure to the people, the pets Mm -hmm. take precedence over the ghost, Mm -hmm. but I think ultimately the ghost has the final say in this matter.
1: I just don't ever want to be in that situation.
2: (laughs) I'm just looking at it from the reality standpoint of a unrealistic situation, (laughs) but is unfortunately all too real for some people. So, yeah, um... I, don't know, I mean, well, there's some ghosts. I don't know. Maybe they can control how visible they are to pets. I don't know.
1: Make yourself smell like bacon, and then they won't be. Scared. That would be
2: great. Mm-hmm. I mean, or or that would, um, you know, who's the invisible bacon man walking around the house? Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is a number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to call in your real ghost story to us. It's a toll free line, so feel free to call. Uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week with your real ghost story. Hi, let's hear yours.
5: Hi, this is Hillary from Ohio and I have another story for you. This is about the same time as the one from us late at night on that rural county road. The same year. So, this is just after my parents had divorced, so I'm like 15. I'm at my dad's house and we have a couple of kittens, we've heard a lot of stories about the place being really creepy and scary, which it was, but I didn't really put much stock in it. <laughs> Long story short, it's the middle of July. I'm at the back of our little trailer, chilling, reading magazines, that kind of thing. And in the kitchen, I hear what sounds like Somebody throwing plates and breaking things, just everywhere. I'm scared stiff. I'm first. I think somebody's broken into the house. That can't be because I've locked the front door and nobody else is home. It's just me and the kittens. Well, as the crashes get get louder, both kittens. Dash to the back of the house and clawed at the door crying to be let in. Being scared stiff, I let him in and don't move from that room for another half hour, till after the noises have stopped. When, this, when it stops about ten minutes later, I go out to the kitchen to see what the damage is and what the hell just happened. Everything is in place. Not a dish out of place, not a pan moved, not even the the crackers on the cabinet, on the kitchen table moved. I have no explanation for it, (laughs) other than that house was always really, really creepy.
2: Was she running a marathon?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Maybe she was chasing the kittens.
2: She's very out of breath
1: yeah she was probably she, she was nervous. Yeah. you know some people get hard it's sure. hard to breathe when you're nervous. I get
2: you I get you so your thoughts
1: well, you know it just sounds like a classic ghost in the kitchen, you know we've heard that kind of story before where people think they're going to go in and there's stuff everywhere and nothing's moved, and you have no idea what the noise was. I so. think
2: it's it's the devil, and I think it's uh, demon. I'm kidding, no. <laughs> it's because everybody always teases me. Oh, it's this demonic. Yeah, you know, I think it's a poltergeist type thing that's going on in your house.
1: Well, but is it a poltergeist one that doesn't actually move the stuff? Mm,
2: I don't know. I don't know what the hell it is. It's something from the other side.
1: It's weird, and yeah.
2: Unexplained, really. So There you go. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Samantha writes into us. Hello, guys. I've been listening to the podcast for the last few weeks and am addicted. I live in an old apartment with my parents and sister where there's sporadic supernatural activity. I wanted to share something that happened a few weeks ago. I'd thought it wasn't supernatural enough, but after hearing someone talk about something similar, I'd have to share. I've heard uh, two entities in my house so far, a man and a woman. The man always sounds like he has... On work boots and walks by my bedroom door around the same time most nights when everyone else is asleep. The woman occasionally shushes me if I'm making too much noise, but she's always sounded very nice. Other than the initial shock, she doesn't seem like someone I'd have to be afraid of, as well as one instance of her comforting me, but that's another story for another day. After being given the suggestion that these spirits are just trying to live their lives, I got used to them and tried to give them space and respect them as well. Sometimes I even talked to them out loud. A few weeks ago, I noticed that every night at around the same time, my bedroom door would open just a crack. I've since ruled out drafts when the doors in the apartment open and close on their own. It happened around the same time every night, so I attribute it to our housemates. I share the room with my younger sister, and she'd tell me how the door would begin to open, and she'd think it was me, only for no one to be there. One night this happened, and she was so scared that she had trouble sleeping. Once she was asleep, I asked out loud, could you please stop opening our door in the middle of the night? It scares the life out of me and my sister sometimes. After that, nothing happens, so I went to bed, closing the door and locking it, as I do every night right before going to sleep. I was in bed with my eyes closed for a while. When I opened them again, the door was wide open. Everyone else in the house was still sound asleep. I shut my eyes again and wondered if one of the spirits opened the door in defiance and if they were offended. I even felt a little bad after wondering if their opening the door was just to check on my sister and me. I never thought of what life would be like if I had two angry spirits instead of nice ones. The next morning, I was trying to use my tablet to listen to your podcast, as a matter of fact. When the sound began to get fuzzy, whenever I tried to do anything, it would malfunction. Once, while trying to figure out what was wrong, the silhouette of a man flashed on the screen before the tablet shut itself off. Once that happened, I got really scared. That didn't seem characteristic of the man, but the man in the work boots, or the woman with the gentle voice. Maybe there was another one I'd never seen or heard. The thing that I'm always seeing in the corner of my eye that I thought was my imagination. I got on the phone with my best friend who is used to hearing about my supernatural experiences and told him, hoping they'd hear, I think I somehow offended them and I don't know how to fix it or what to do. I'm going to go back to sleep and when I wake up, hopefully things will go back to normal. When I woke up, my tablet was working normally again, and since then, our door hasn't opened or shut, although all well, the other rooms still do. I've had other experiences in this apartment, and in my life in general. I find that for some reason, the strange things are always drawn to me, and have been told I'm empathic. But what seems to be another issue altogether. But that seems to be another issue altogether. I hope I get to share some more stories soon. Thanks for listening, and keep up the great work.
1: Do you think she made the ghost mad?
2: Um, I don't know that she made the ghost mad. I think there might be another thing there, and I do agree with the empathic thing. Um or maybe if it's not empathic, it might be something just where she's able to sense and see these things better than others. Uh-huh. Um, and that's why there was that negative entity there where it's not necessarily the the friendly ghost that she sees. In her. With, but it's something entirely different.
1: But you know that with the empathic thing, I think if she really felt like she probably offended them, mm-hmm. maybe she did. Maybe she knew that's what the ghost was was, I guess, feeling.
2: So she's feeding off of the ghost's emotions. You're saying,
1: yeah, sure, I, I think so. Okay. I think she was thinking that based on, you know, their behavior and, and the way she was feeling.
2: I think that makes sense. So. You think the ghost can feed off of our emotions?
1: Maybe if it's a ghost of somebody that was an empath.
2: An empathic ghost. Maybe. I would think that would actually make sense. I mean, it sounds a little crazy, but if you're thinking, you know, there's really no rules to the logic of what we talk about here on the show, but if you're, you know, I would think you'd have the same sort of Personality and skill set, if you will, yeah. in death with the ability to fly through walls. So you get a couple extra abilities, too. Yeah. That's how I think it works. <laughs> I don't know. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number. Let's go to another caller. Hi.
6: Hi, Tony and Jen. This is Dave again with some final answers to the mystery of my ghost daughter, Sarah's past. You might need to look at other letters since I don't have time to repeat them. The first one is October 7th. The second is E.E.P. 7. This will probably be the last Sarah letter, since I feel all that can be known is now known. I feel further stories would just be adventures with a seven-year-old. When I first saw Sarah, I didn't notice anything that would give me a time frame on how long ago she died. Barb, on the other hand, noticed the clothes she was wearing, and when she first saw Sarah, something a young good work girl would wear in the 70s. She looked Suggests I look at the Brady Bunch and compare. I have to admit she was right. That is something I would have never noticed. There's still a question though. What she appears to wear now is more current and since the school she came from was closed sometime in the 70s it might have been the girl's fashion she was last exposed to. Another piece fell into place shortly after the second letter was played. I had an unexpected visitor come to the door. There stood Jeannie, the woman from my past. She had gotten my address from a co-worker of mine, and she said she needed to talk to me. She was the first person to look scared coming into the house. Jeannie had heard about Sarah. The only difference is she knew Sarah was real. As she's telling me this, her eyes were scanning around the room. She asked how safe she was, and I explained Sarah only does things to people if they try to do something to harm the family. Jeannie still looked like she expected a plate to come flying at her. She told me that she hasn't had a real relationship since she bolted from my apartment. She needed to know why. I explained that in my case, I just wasn't able to deal with her being a control freak. Also, I was expected to prove my love every week, but she didn't feel the need to do that herself. That was just me, and I don't know about the other guys she hated. Just then Barb walked in, and I introduced her to Jeannie. First words out of Barb's mouth was, did Sarah break anything? I explained nothing was amiss and why Jeannie was there. Barb asked Jeannie to step out on the porch and I spent the next hour talking. It ended with Barb and Jeannie hugging and Jeannie sticking her head in the door to say goodbye. I asked Jeannie what she said and all I got was girl talk. Now you might wonder what this has to do with Sarah. The next day Sarah showed up and asked who the lady was and why she was so scared. I told her that that was the lady I went out with before I met your mother. I also told her of the things she did to her. Sarah looked puzzled. As far as she remembered, Barb and I have always been married. She has always been our daughter and she would never do anything mean to anybody. I explained that yes, she did bad things to Jeannie, but it was for a good reason. Jeannie and I had to break up for either of us to find happiness. Sarah snuggled next to me and said that she hopes Jeannie finds somebody to be happy with. I played her the letters I sent you and soon realized that Sarah's memory only goes back two or three years. There was nothing before that. So I think her past will always be a mystery. Now I had just said that her me- she remembers nothing before two or three years. That's not exactly true. She remembers songs. I'm amazed at times hearing her singing two Roy or Barb songs I'd never heard of before. One night was really strange. I heard Sue laughing at night. I got up, but before I got to the door, I heard Sarah singing the old sea shanty tune. What do you say to a drunken sailor early in the morning? Only her words were, what do you do with a crying baby early in the morning? The first line of each verse was, you pick her up and check her diaper, then go to the kitchen to get her bottle, followed by pet her on the back until she burps now, lay her down and sing her to sleep, and finally smell the air, then change her diaper. I might have gotten some of it wrong, or missed a verse or two, both so different from her usual lullabies. I would sing it, but I can't sing well enough to do it justice. Way hey, and up she rises, I guess. I think I said this in one of the other letters, but she has never heard on the baby monitor or any type of recording device. You can hear her, but nothing will show up on any recording device. It's kind of a reverse EVP. We just had Sarah's birthday, and the neighbors came over for cake and ice cream. They know it's Sarah, and I don't know if they truly believe, but they like the idea. They also say the house is just filled with happiness since we moved in. Well, they bought her a gift for Sarah. It was a CD of Jackie Ivanko's. Jackie looks about Sarah's age on the cover. Roy helped with unwrapping it. Sarah now plays it at night a lot. I guess we now know what type of gift to buy, Sarah. There are other stories I won't bore you with, but I will add that the pit bull across the street and Sarah seem now to be friends. Whenever he's out for a walk, he needs to come across to my yard and lay on its back and you see his tail wagging and his tongue hanging out of his mouth. I don't know, but I wonder if Sarah's rubbing her stomach. After hearing some of the other children's ghost stories, I'm lucky to have my Sarah. Sarah seems to be the opposite of a dark entity, where the dark ones seem to need to create sadness, depression, and anger in the house. Sarah brings love, joy, and well-being in her home. Sarah shows up more than she used to, and I feel she grows stronger from the love in the house there are times now when she has taken a solid form she feels solid and warm and you would think she was a real living girl hard to guess when that'll happen but it does happen i've rambled on long enough i hope you're not bored with me being a proud father bye for now
1: i love the sarah stories that's neat i think that is maybe my favorite I guess series for lack of a better term. Of sure. ghost stories that we have on here. Yeah. I I would love to see that as a movie, <laughs> you know.
2: Do you think the the only people do you think do you think they're the couple mm-hmm. there are are sensitive and that's why they can see it and the neighbors can't and they just kind of like the idea.
1: You mean David and Susan? Yeah. Um you know Maybe they are, but it doesn't sound like they have a lot of other experiences other than the Sarah experiences. Mm-hmm. So maybe Sarah's choosing who she is showing herself to.
2: Sure. Although, you know, he said they got that CD and and it's playing. Uh-huh. By I'm assuming it's turning on by itself. Mm-hmm. So then that would be something other people could witness. Sure. You know, if uh, unless she's only choosing to do it when they're around as to not freak out other people.
1: Well, He said she does it a lot at night. Yeah. Assuming, you know, because yeah. they have a little baby, too. I'm assuming that sure. that's just at night when it's just them.
2: It's, I, I I love the story. It's just I, I wonder how visible Sarah is to other people or if she's if it's, she's just choosing to exactly make them herself mm-hmm. visible to them or if they're sensitive to these sort of things and that's why they're picking her up. Although you'd be thinking she'd be picking up or they'd be picking up other things as well if that's right. the case. So, I love the stories and uh, if, feel free to share more with us uh, in the uh, the life and times of your ghost daughter, Sarah.
1: Definitely. You
2: know, as, uh, as the years progress. I understand you only have so many... Ghost stories, if you will, of things that have happened over the years. But over time, you know, feel free to you know give us an update on how things are going. So we really do enjoy those stories. So uh, thank you, David, for calling in and sharing those with us. The phone number here is eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two. Of course, you can always write into us through the website at realghoststoriesonline.com dot com. Miranda writes in: This really isn't a ghost story so much as something I thought might be interesting to share. Ever since I was about five years old, I've suffered from night terrors. Not night terrors like you see in the movies where they have a scary dream and wake up screaming, but the kind of nightmares that resonate with you for days, weeks, even years afterwards. The first time what happened was when I was five years old. I had a realistic vision of my younger brother and I. who were biking on the street in front of my parents' house at sunset. After a few seconds, I noticed a figure in the distance. As I watched, the man came closer and closer until he was standing in front of me. He took a butcher's knife out of his coat. I didn't know what a butcher's knife even was back then. My mother never kept them. And he cut off my head. Repeatedly. He would kill me, take me to the hospital, resuscitate me, take me back home, and kill me again before I could make it back inside. He killed my older sister at one point, too. Then my nightmare changed. I was now traveling down a familiar road with my father. One, which I learned many years later was famous for hosting a homicidal psychopath in many of my area's myths and legends. My father, in the nightmare, would tell me to hide, but throughout the dream would repeat until I found a good hiding place. I somehow knew that I was in a dream at this point, but I couldn't seem to wake up. When I finally did, I immediately went downstairs to find my parents, which was something I always had found too scary to do before. Now, I knew there was nothing that could happen to me. I had never been exposed to violence at that age. I stuck to my regular kids' cartoons, but my parents were conservative enough to not even allow us to watch movies with the Lord's name taken in vain in it. So, the amount of violence shown in my nightmare allowed my parents to come to the conclusion that I was not to tell anyone about my nightmare in school. The reason I tried to tell you this is to give you some backstory. Nightmares... That turned out to have some truth to them, I didn't yet know about, were not new to me. The issue arose when I had a rather peculiar one when I was about nine years old. I was wandering through an old building, something that looked like it had been from an age before, and almost hotelish in nature. As I wandered through the room searching, I came upon dead body after dead body, all wearing light brown suits with a red armband on the left. They were all blonde, though varying shades. And of the eyes that were open, a stunning blue peeked at me. I did not know of the Holocaust. I did not yet know of Hitler or his ideal race of human beings. But as I searched, even looking back at it today, so many facts were relived in my unknowing mind. Even as I reached the last room, which had the most hated dead person in it, Hitler himself, the black hair, the mustache, everything matches, the history books as I remember them, sitting dead in the throne of dead soldiers. What I'm about to tell you is something that still keeps me awake at night. I fear what it means when so many other major points of my dreams have come true, whether it tells past or future. I've never... I've seen blood-covered walls from people who have Ebola before I even knew what Ebola was. I've seen the Titanic sink before I even knew what had happened. I've seen people drown in drug abuse before they even took drugs. And the only part of any dream that I've had that scares me the most was watching all those soldiers come back to life and killing families, friends, and me as well. Understand that I know it sounds corny, but until you've seen it for yourself, please understand that nothing is as horrific as watching the dead come back to life and killing everyone you know. And before you start laughing at how worried I seem about a zombie apocalypse, that's not how my nightmares work. I've worried that someone is going to rise to power and attempt to reach a similar goal as Hitler if they haven't already reached power and are trying. So, we
1: have people that write in that have premonitions mm-hmm. in their dreams. So this is just knowing about past things that happened that they possi- couldn't possibly know about. Mm-hmm. It's disturbing. It is disturbing.
2: I mean it's interesting. I mean, one could go to like the past life thing, you know, you know, is she reliving past lives as a past knowledge that, you know, maybe not even necessarily that she endured, were, you know, that she was part of, but that she had learned about, that she had seen or heard of in a past life. And this was, you know, coming to the surface. Yeah. You know, explaining the Titanic, explaining the Holocaust and you know, all those things. I mean, although theoretically she could have died on the Titanic on a past past life, mm-hmm. lived through the Holocaust, died there, came back again, because that would have been two different generations of things. Um. You know, or it could be something or if, if it is a past life thing and she has knowledge of certain things, um, you know, it could have been not even that long ago where she had learned about those things. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's very interesting, troubling uh, and and very curious as to how she's or how she picked up on those things.
1: I want to hear more about her dreams that she's had where they actually came true because she alluded to several Mm -hmm. of them do that. So, almost having premonitions versus just knowing about historic events without having conscious knowledge of it.
2: Well, I hope she doesn't write in and like, oh, it came true when the zombies came and ate the family. Yeah. You know, that happened last week. No, I mean, it would be interesting to hear what actually has come mm-hmm. true for her in that line of, uh, in the line of her dreams. Right. So, 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call into us here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Hi.
3: Hi, guys. I am a longtime listener. I'm so excited by all of the new exposure that the show is getting and i'm calling to share one of my mother's stories actually um she's not the type of person who would call into a show like this but i grew up listening to the stories that she told from her childhood home um she lived you know with her parents and five brothers and sisters some of them contend that there was nothing wrong with the house and um, three of them have um, interesting experiences um, the first one I have to share involved my mother and my aunt um, it was very early in the morning and sometimes my grandmother in order to get the kids out of bed to play the piano so the piano started playing and my mom and my aunt got out of bed and they were teenagers at the time so like typical teenagers they went to the foot of the stairs or the, the top of the stairs and yelled down the piano stopped maybe about five minutes later it started playing again so they assumed that my grandmother was being a little bit more forceful they decided to downstairs tell her to stop and they got to these French doors that lead into the piano room the music stopped and when they opened the doors there was no one in the room Um, my mom second story, or the story that I think is probably the scariest, occurred on one of those rare occasions where my mom had the house to herself, and imagine with five siblings, there, those occasions were very rare. She was getting ready to go on a date, actually with my father, and she had taken a bath, and she was doing her makeup in front of the mirror in the bathroom, and she heard someone call her name. So she went to, uh, again, the top of the stairs and called down. She thought she was alone. No one responded. She went back to doing her makeup, and it happened again. And again, she called down, um, assuming it was her dad. You know, "What, what do you need? I thought you guys were gone. The third time it happened, it was forceful. They called her by her nickname, and they sounded angry right outside the door. So she walked around um, tried to investigate, couldn't find anything, couldn't find anyone, and these experiences were fairly typical for her. I think at this point she had just assumed that it was whatever presence was in the house. Um, my first story actually involves my dad, who is the most skeptical human being I've ever had. I adore him. But he's not one for believing in things that are supernatural. So when my mom was moving out of the house when they got married, um, my dad had always, you know, kind of scoffed at her stories. Oh, come on, there's nothing in the house. Uh, you're just being silly. He went upstairs to check her room uh, when they were alone in the house, finishing up uh, the move. And he said that he heard footsteps coming up the stairs, older house to keep there fairly obvious to, uh, you know, you can hear when people are moving. And he popped his pet out the door and there was no one there. Um, he said he practically ran out of the house and never questioned my mother again. So those are my mom's stories. There are more, but I thought I would share a few that I find the most interesting. And I really just love the show. Thank you so much for doing it. I really appreciate um, having something to listen to on my debut. Thank you.
2: Thanks for calling in and uh, sharing your stories with us. Uh, It almost kind of answers a question I I saw somebody posted the other day of... um, how do I convince my hubby that uh, ghosts are real? It was one of those uh, cases where one of the people in the relationship, you know, adamantly believes in the paranormal and ghosts, and the uh, other just you know, kind of brushes it off. And sure. My parents are kind of like that. Yeah. You know, my dad's like, eh, uh, and uh, my mom's like, oh no, that's real, you know. Um, and I've I've always kind of had that quest of how do I prove to my dad that, <laughs> you know, um. And I think the answer in some cases is that mm-hmm. they need to experience it on their own.
1: Yeah, they have to. Yeah.
2: There's no amount of stories. There's no amount of... You know, you can be extremely interested in it and still not believe in it. There's a lot of ghost hunters out there that don't believe in it. But they hunt for it, and they're trying to prove it. Um, and a lot of them end up you know, futilely never getting anything at all. Um, it's not all like TV ghost shows. Yeah. Um, but I think that kind of answers that question. very interesting stories mm-hmm. of uh of a couple that's courting and uh kind of haunted by ghosts through the time I wonder if uh, if that continued on into the into the marriage and into life and having their daughter there and
1: I don't know, but it was one less thing to argue about whether or not yeah he believed so. exactly exactly
2: <laughs> oh, you believe me now? okay, great, we can get married maybe that was like the uh <laughs> the waiting factor there eight five five eight five three forty eight or is the number Tracy writes in hello, I thought i 'd share with you why i 've become interested in this subject. My first apparition or ghost experience was about twenty years ago while living in an old house while I was making my bed one morning. I suddenly saw a soldier dressed, I think in a First World War uniform, standing in the bay of my bedroom window. His uniform was kind of brown, thick material, maybe wool. He was aged about mid-twenties. He smiled back at me. As quick as I blinked, he was gone. I've always wanted to research to see if maybe a young man lived there that died in the First World War, but haven't done so yet. My second experience came about ten years later while visiting Friends Up North. They lived in an old two-up, uh, uh, two two-down trellised house. I was in the kitchen putting, uh, shopping away. The kitchen cupboards were white laminate. And as it was winter late afternoon, I had the lights on and could easily see the ceiling light, table, door, and staircase reflecting behind me, reflecting in the cupboards. As I was closing the door, I saw a man standing behind me by the table, "'He was dressed in what I would say was 60s-era tight trousers "'and a tight, long sleeve top. "'He scared me. "'I felt my stomach drop as I turned around "'because the light was on and it was dark outside. "'There was a mirror effect, "'so I could also see his reflection in the window "'as he stood next to the table. "'Thinking he was a living man, "'I turned, ready to scream, but he'd vanished. "'I didn't tell my friends, thinking they would think I was crazy, "'but afterwards, I wouldn't go anywhere alone in the house.' Getting to the bathroom was difficult. I would run there and back with all the lights on after that experience. I always, when uh, when alone, uh, ask if anyone is there with me. Please don't show themselves as it frightened me.
1: Could you imagine? I I wonder what is scarier if you think there's somebody in the house you turn around there's somebody in the house or you think there's somebody else you turn around and then they're gone
2: kind of like out of the corner of your eye type thing yeah or there's a sign like a noise or something that they're there mm-hmm. I think I mean I would rather essentially kind of have a closure to it where it's like oh I see them and they disappear and they're gone then I know they're gone Uh huh. rather than the I think I saw something or I heard something and you search it out and you can't find anything then you don't know if they're gone yeah you don't know like when they're going to reappear although you don't know when they're going to reappear either if you physically see them but it just leaves more to question because in the one case you can physically you you can know it's something paranormal Mm -hmm. you can go oh that's a ghost okay that's what that is the odds of it harming me eh, not so much freaking me out sure but physically being harmed eh, yeah the odds not usually very great there uh, with the other one, you got the possibility of ghosts, you got the possibility of an intruder, and you have the possibility of a wild animal. True. You know, and you don't really know what it is
1: or where it went if it was there really. Or
2: exactly, not. you don't know if you're going to open up the door and you know out walks uh, you know chupacabra or something. <laughs> you know, that just sucked the blood out of the neighbor's cow, bossy. Uh huh. So there's a lot of. Uh, A lot more possibilities there to worry about, if you will. (laughs) It can make your anxiety worse. I'd rather have the definition.
1: Yeah, I agree. Whatever is going to be less anxiety-provoking.
2: Exactly. But that's just us, though. (laughs) So the normal human being, I don't know what they would go with. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into us here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story. Call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Let's go to another caller.
0: Hey, Tony and Jenny. It's Ruben again from California. Um, I did run out of ghost stories. And, uh, you know, I I was just listening to tonight's episode about the guy who um, said that uh, he was out at a a school park near his house having a cigarette, and then he saw this S-shaped mist that was floating in the air, which reminded me of something remarkably similar to what he had just said Um, about five or six years ago, my brother and I were walking uh, our dog, different dog that i'm walking right now but uh i digress anyhow um we're walking our dog it was uh about 10 not even 10 minutes away from the the house that we were living in at the time and um we're talking along the way just about this was so perfect the way it all unfolded we were talking about just how strange and peculiar and interesting the universe can be sometimes just out of the blue, on a whim, at, a, at the drop of a hat, at a moment's notice—like something really, you know, weird—things can happen um, when you least expect them. And so, we're at the park, vast open park, you know, lots of grass for the dog to run around. And we usually went at night when most people were uh, had already went for their walk, about nine, ten o'clock at night. So. We're there standing by this big tree that's in the park, and we heard like a ruffling sound, like as if something was in the tree. And we looked over. um, This was probably about 15 feet, maybe 20 feet away from us. There was this um, orange glow. It wasn't like an orb, but it was um, it was. It definitely was. Uh, it, it was a light. It, it emanated light, but it was dull. It wasn't a bright light. It wasn't something it, almost like a reflector um, on somebody's bicycle or something. It was that kind of an orange, and maybe a little bit duller than that. Not as bright even as as a reflector, but it's in in the dark. You could tell that there was like a grayish component to it as well. It was almost like maybe, I want to say it was kind of shaped like a boomerang, but all we could really see was the orange part of it. And it made no sound. After it exited the tree, it made no sound at all. And it floated ever so gently, just forward, like away, kind of away from us. And as if that weren't, odd enough, the thing splits in two and now there's two identical orange glowy like gray wing things that were flying in perfect harmony. Now, after just having split, they they just flew away very slowly. It wasn't fast. It just was maybe... You know two miles an hour i mean it was we saw it the whole time and then it you know after it had split it flew we probably saw it for about a good i would say 10 seconds and then they just just vanished into the into the sky because from our from our vantage point uh, we were looking up at them and then of course the background was just the night sky um after that, I mean, a short time, they were gone, just like that. So, I I don't know if that's, I didn't want to call this story in earlier because I wasn't sure if it was, I mean, it's definitely paranormal by definition, but just so weird, you know, it wasn't ghostly, we weren't afraid of it. It was just very strange, like what would have just been sitting there in a tree waiting for for someone to see it and then just and split it into two and then just completely disappear. <laughs> it was bizarre. Um, anyhow, just thought I'd share that just because I heard that other guy's story uh, and the whole school and the park thing at night made me think of that one. So uh, I guess that's it for now and we'll talk to you later. Bye.
1: I want to know if the dog acted weird when that was going on. Because a lot of times dogs will act weird, obviously, mm-hmm. when there's strange things going on. But I was just curious since he was out walking his dog.
2: If it sensed anything out of the ordinary, yeah, yeah, they usually tell you pretty quick if it's something paranormal or if it's not.
1: I got freaked out last night. I took Lena, our border collie, out mm-hmm. to go potty for the last time,
2: and she started yodeling like no. a Norwegian dog would. No,
1: but it was strange because here in Wichita, there's always wind. I mean, it may still a, a non-windy day is like 5 to 10 mile an hour winds. A regular day's you know, more than that. and A windy day is like 50 mile an hour winds here. But anyway, it was really really strange out. There was no wind at all. It was as still as it could possibly be. And the the eerie thing was, there weren't any birds making noise. There weren't any bugs making noise. Nothing. And Lena's Looking off in the distance at the corner of the yard, which we have a pretty big backyard. Mm -hmm. And she's looking and she kind of acts like she's going to walk and then she's standing on three legs, almost pointing, even though she's not a a pointer breed. Mm -hmm. And she stood like that for about five minutes. And I'm freaking out a little bit. I'm thinking, okay, there's something out there because something spooked the bugs and the birds. And then she's like, nope, never mind. Runs off and goes potty. (laughs) And I'm just kind of like, I got to go back in the house. Would she do
2: that to a coyote?
1: Well, but I think a coyote would be making more noise than that. She probably yeah. would if she sensed it on the other side of the fence mm-hmm. in the field. But I don't know. And of course, it's the darkest, furthest point. that is where she's looking. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what does she see? Mm-hmm. Too many ghost stories.
2: She sees our shirtless neighbor.
1: <laughs> Shirtless Andy? Shirtless
2: Andy. <laughs> in the dark, going, why do you wear your shirt off? What's going on?
1: No, I think he was still working in the front yard.
2: On his concrete project? Yep. <laughs> we have a really nice neighbor, but he tends to not wear his shirt any. I don't know if he knows, knows how to pour concrete either. It's no. kind of a, a liquid esque substance. But, uh, has it, has it set up yet?
1: He came over, or he didn't come over. He came home on his lunch break because my office yeah. overlooks his yard yeah. and he was poking at it with a stick on Is his it still lunch. liquid? It's still pretty soft. It's been Concrete there.
2: shouldn't be taking no. that long to set up.
1: It's been at least 12 hours. It's a
2: concrete soup.
1: Yeah. At
2: least you had his shirt on. <laughs>
1: Yeah, in 40 degree weather, he should. I'm kind of surprised, though. Some days... You know. That's how we know it's cold, is if Andy's wearing a shirt.
2: Exactly. Oh, interesting with the dog and uh, staring off into the yard. Hmm. I don't know. Do you think she's an empath dog? Who knows? <laughs> can, pa- can animals be? I, I think, think almost all animals are.
1: I think animals are just by being animals. It's
2: just a part of their nature no matter what.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, there you go. That wraps up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you're not an EPP yet and you enjoy the show, please consider supporting the show. This one what allows us to do the show for you for free and give you the five uh, regular free episodes every single week. And then as an EPP, you get six. You get a bonus episode that we send out to you every single weekend. So if you can't get enough of the show and you want that bonus episode, please become an EPP. Five bucks a month is all it is. End up getting 52 bonus episodes a year. And all the back episodes too we uh, send those to you uh, as well so a whole lot of free episodes this is a thank you for uh, for supporting the show and keeping it alive so until next time for jenny bruski i'm tony bruski thank you for listening to another episode of real ghost stories online
5: with the lucky land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere